So Megillah, we're going to chazer Mishnah Zion, and we'll do that Mishnah. We'll finish the Masechta today. Cohen, changed brother Mumin, a Cohen that has blemishes on him. Lo says Kapav, he shouldn't lift up his hand. Lifting up his hand is a euphemism for duchening. Uh, the reason is because people look at him and it's not honorable. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Avmi Shal Yodav who was Istis or Pua, if his hands were colored with different types of dye, um, red dye, and or, or Istis like a purple dye, Pua is like a red dye, it's like a bluish dye, like Tchelas, who is a purple, is a red dye. Lo says Kapa, because people look at him today, we put a talus over our hands, but in those days, they didn't do that, so uh, he wasn't allowed to do him. Let's see the next Mishnah. Ha'omer. Aini over lefnei teva. I'm not going over lefnei teva is a euphemism for daven for the Amr. I'm not going to daven. I'm not going to lead davening. B'tzvuyim. With colored clothing. Meaning, I have this thing in my head that I've only got to daven with white clothing. Okay? We don't let him uh, daven even with white clothing. The reason is because this was the way, as we mentioned last week, of Ovdia Vodazara. They used to say that we're only allowed to daven in pure white. Uh, we don't believe that at all. We um, we could daven in any clothing that we want. Of course, when it comes to davening, a person should try and put on more chashiva clothing than not, but it doesn't matter if it's blue or black or whatever. Um, so uh, we don't have that. So therefore, we are, we suspected this fellow maybe an Avodazara kind of guy, and we don't want him leading services. Same thing with Bissandal any over. I'm not davening if I'm wearing shoes. In those days, sandals a sandal. That was the very common, people wore sandals. Today, not so much. Af yachef lo yavor. We don't let him, we don't let him uh, daven um, barefoot. We don't let him. Also, the same kind of thing, because there are people that say, you're only allowed to daven in barefoot, you can't daven with sandals. We don't believe that way. This is a Muslim belief. This is not a, a, a Torah belief. Um, and that's a throwback to uh, idolatry of Odazara. The Muslim belief is a throwback to Odazara. This is not our belief at all. Um, as we know, everybody daven in shoes. The only one who has to take off his shoes is only, only two people that take off shoes is the Kohanim uh, in the base of Migdash. When they walk, they're not allowed to wear shoes, shoes or even socks, or even have any adhesions on their the bottoms of their feet at all. Or a kohen when he duchens. So the minute is we take off shoes, not socks. We take off shoes. It's just like a zecher, uh, because it's it's uh, if it would be really like the basic mikdash, you'd have to take off shoes and socks. It's not exactly the same. Uh, it's just a remembrance to the basic mikdash. So, but that's it. Otherwise. Uh, we daven all year long, as everybody knows, with shoes. But we can uh, daven without shoes, too? You, you know what? You, you could daven without shoes if you need to. It is certainly preferable to daven with respectable shoes. Right, because I find that, I mean, no offense to anybody on this uh, Zoom, but I find it offensive when people wear flip-flops to daven. I don't find it to be with kavanu. But here it's... More respectable. Here it seems to be the opposite, that you can wear shoes or not shoes and it doesn't matter. Look, um, um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna be as politically correct as possible because being the head of the kollel, we welcome all people into the kollel, even if they're only wearing shorts and t-shirts, which many people come into the kollel wearing shorts and t-shirts to learn. It's, you know, as long as they come to learn, we are happy, and it's not forbidden to do that. So we don't uh, we don't do that. But you want to know if it's more respectful for a person to come daven with shoes and to be dressed in properly with a suit and tie even? Of course it is. No question. But it doesn't make it, make it possible without, without that. Let's see the next part of the Mishnah. So we went through this last week. Also, Tfilah Savagula. The singular of Tfilin is Tfilah. But we use the word commonly Tfilin as in the singular. So a person makes his Tfilin shall Rosh. His head tefillin, he makes them round. Sakana, mengba mitzvah. First of all, you should know it's a sakana. It's a danger because when you tie it on, the the point of the tefillin can penetrate into your head, which is dangerous. And you should know engba mitzvah. You gain no credit for such a thing. Why? Because it is a halacha from Moshe at Sinai. The tefillin need to be square. We know that. And if tefillin are not square, they don't count. That's what it says, Ein Ba Mitzvah. Okay? Now, the which were like um, the, the reformed Jews of yesteryear that were essentially cultural Jews, but not observant Jews. They used to, but they were a lot more sophisticated than people today. A lot more sophisticated. They used to explain the verses according to the, um, the they're, 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 um, these explain the verses wrongly, but it says in the, in, in, in um, concerning tefillin, it says that a person should put it, now, means between your eyes. could be from the top of your head, over here, my finger is, right? It's also between your eyes. You can also go extend down to, to between your actual eyes. There's no clue as to where bain enecha is, but they, used to put the tefillin actually between their eyes. We don't. We have a locha from Sinai that uh, does not mean between your eyes. It means between your eyes, yes, but up on top of your head, on your head between your eyes. Or a person puts it al pasio, though. Pas means the palm of his hand, around the back of his hand. Palm of his hand, he ties it in the hand tefillin around his hand. This is the way of Minos means people who are, who go against the Torah. This is not the way of the Torah at all. So you're not allowed to do that. Tzipun Zahav. Now a person, here you have a person who, sometimes people get, exaggerate things. They do it for, for maybe good reasons, but uh, sometimes, and Mara's not talking about somebody who does it for good reasons, but sometimes people do things for good reasons, but not recognizing that uh, it's a mistake to do so. Tzipun um, a person covers a tefillin with gold. Now you would think that's maybe a good thing. Sometimes you want to adorn a mitzvah. So you want to buy, let's say a case for your, for your esrog. You want to buy an esrog case. You want to buy an esrog case with a veneer of gold or maybe made of pure gold just to give honor to the esrog. Okay, I, I get that. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. Quite the opposite. That's a mitzvah. You want to have a mezuzah case that is made out of gold or diamonds or something. That's that's a, that's a mitzvah. So sometimes it's great to, uh, to, to do something like that. But other times, 
it's not. You know, you want to donate to shul. You know, they have these um, they have these silver in the shul. You know, the, the Sifri Torah a lot of times have a crown, and they have like a breastplate, right, made out of silver. You want to make a very fancy silver one. You want to make a gold one, so it should be really, really chashu. That's that's a great thing. It's a really great thing. Once it was in a shul, and I had one made out of, with the diamonds and laid on it. Beautiful. Um, it cost a fortune, but fine. So we donated it, or a few people donated it in honor of the Sefer Torah. But sometimes people do things which are against halacha, even though they don't realize it. So you're not allowed to um, to uh, make your tefillin out of gold. You're not allowed to even make them have a veneer of gold because tefillin have to be. Are you talking it's, about the tefillin, the tefillin case, or are you talking about oh, the tefillin itself? The tefillin itself. You can't veneer yeah. them with gold. You can't do that. Tefillin right. have to be have to be made out of the leather of an animal, which has to be through and through the leather of an animal. You can't have anything on top of it. The leather of an animal, the Gemara is Dorish, and says, Lamantia, so that Torah's Hashem beficha. The Torah of Hashem will be in your mouth, um, which Gemara explains, which is something which is mutter for you to eat, meaning Tvilin have to be made out of the leather of a kosher animal. This is, uh, uh, it doesn't have to be slaughtered properly. You can kill the animal anyway, but the leather has to be made out of a kosher animal. You can even make thrillin, if you wish, out of out of the skin of fish, but we don't do that because it's it's uh, it's really technically kosher. We don't do that. Besides the fact it'll likely fall apart, but also it's not honorable um, to do it like that. Um, we make, for years and still today, people make their thrillin out of the leather of a sheep or of a goat, which is perfectly permissible, but it's it's better to make it out of the leather of a cow. And the reason is because leather of a sheep or a goat does not stay. After a while, it becomes it becomes um, it doesn't it doesn't retain its, its squareness. Leather of a cow is much much better. Also, looks more impressive, but it's expensive. Leather of a cow is expensive. Okay, so tzipun zahav. Venusen al base unkali. Unkali is a sleeve. You put it over your sleeve. Shiloh. Why did he, why did he um, veneer it in gold? Because he wanted to give it honor. Why did he put it on a sleeve? Also, because he didn't want it to touch the skin and have it um, have the, the sweat be absorbed in the thrillin. Hareza derech chitzonim. These are chitzonim um, means outsiders, meaning people who go with their own understanding without adhering to the understanding of our sages. So that we can't do. We have to do what our sages have told us to do, which is accepted from Sinai, that you can't have a separation between the tefillin and your skin. And even on your head tefillin, you can't have a separation. So we, um, we put our head tefillin directly on our heads. Here, if it's combed in the way that it normally is combed, if, it's, if it lies in the way that it normally lies, it's not called a separation. So don't worry about hair. But sometimes you find people's yarmulke go under the tefillin strap, and that's a problem. Some people put their masks on, and then they put the tefillin over that. I have two thoughts about that. It's certainly not the best thing to do. Um, it may be permissible, but it's certainly not the best thing to do. Better to put your tefillin on and then put the mask over that. 
Let's see a little further. Okay. Uh, Haomer. Somebody says, Yivarechacha Tovim, which in itself sounds like it's a great blessing. Yivarechacha Tovim, um, the good in plural should bless you. Now, it sounds like there are two gods. Like, you know, you say, person says, you should have a bracha from Hashem. But if we say Yivarechacha Tovim, it means a source of tov, which is Hashem, and tovim are two. So it sounds like you are saying that there are two gods, God forbid. This is minus, which is, minus is people who don't believe in the divinity of God or the singularity of God. Okay? Okay? Um, so that you can't do now, everybody here knows what the mitzvah of Shluch HaKen is? You ever hear that mitzvah of Shluch HaKen? Barry, heard of it? No? Okay. I will tell you what Shluch HaKen is. Shluch HaKen is, if you have, you want to take the eggs or yeah. the chicks of a baby that are not able to play it. Now you remember it? Yeah. And, I yes. Good. I don't know what it's called, but... Yes. And it's a mitzvah in the Torah. It's brought down in Chulin. It's discussed. And the mother bird is sitting on the, not the father bird, the mother bird is sitting on the, on the nest. In order for you to take away the chicks or the egg, even one of them, you have to send the mother bird away first and then take. Okay? Um, there's a lot of limitations when this applies, when it doesn't apply. It only applies to kosher animals. It only applies if the animal is Hefker, meaning it is not owned by you. If you have a chicken and you, it's in your chicken coop, it's owned by you, then this mitzvah does not apply. But if you go out to the forest and you see on a tree or even not in the forest, just walk out over here and you see a bird that's nesting on an egg, then you want to take the eggs. You could, you have to send away the mother bird. You should know, by the way, that most birds are kosher. We don't eat them. Um, we don't eat them because of uh, something called Tarnagalta, the Agma, because there was, uh, we, we uh, in, back in the times of Marayim, it was already difficult to tell which the, the simonim of birds, which birds were predators, which birds were not predators. So therefore, Rashi says, as brought in Shokhanach, we only eat birds that we have a Kabbalah, a tradition, or there are other birds, even if we don't have an exact tradition, we eat. But most birds uh, are, you should know, are kosher. There are certain birds that are clearly not kosher. Anything in the falcon family, falconidae, anything in that family is not going to be kosher. That would be eagles, that would be falcons, that would be owls. Anything like that is certainly not kosher. But your average bird, um, like uh, probably, um, the ibises are probably kosher. There's certainly a species of peacock, which is kosher. Um, we don't eat them. I'll eat them. But, you know, there's no reason why you can't perform the mitzvah shluch hakem. Send away the mother bird, take the egg, and then you can put it back. And the bird won't be the wiser, and the chick will grow up to be a normal, regular chick, and you'll have gotten your mitzvah. But that's a little off topic. Let's go to the, um, 
Let's go to the, but all these birds we see outside, like, like pigeons, pigeons are certainly kosher. I, would, you know, you, I wouldn't eat them because they absorb all sorts of pollution, but um, they, they are, pigeons are kosher, yes. You're looking at me strangely, really, really. You could take a pigeon, if you're not a shechted, you could shecht it and eat it. It's completely kosher. Um, like the now, Muscovy ducks, they're considered a delicacy. What? The Muscovy ducks. The, Muscovy the ducks are a huge problem if they're kosher. It's one of the big questions. There is a shach in your idea. You could coin a shach bringing a marshal. Coin to them, it would be kosher. But most opinions hold Muscovy ducks are not kosher because Muscovy ducks, if you'll notice, have a claw in the middle of their, their feet, middle of their front, in the middle of their um, feet, there's, there's a web and then there's a, a sharp claw. The Muscovy ducks are predators. Mostly they eat, um, they, they eat grasses, you know, water, water lilies, things like that, and fish, but they do eat other animals. And the way that they eat those animals is in a way that we've been not permitted according to the Torah. So there's a big discussion about Muscovy ducks, and we, we avoid them. The Prima Gaudim, one of the great commentaries on Shulchan Aruch, says to avoid Muscovy ducks. They've been around for years, Muscovy ducks, for centuries. We don't eat them. But ducks themselves, generally ducks, mallards and things like that, are kosher, and they are delicious. <laughs> so um, most it's animals with webs, what? I said, just ask the falcons. <laughs> right. Most right. animals with web feet are kosher. Puffins probably are kosher. Things like that, probably. But we don't have a cabal on puffins. We wouldn't eat them. By the way, Rabbi, uh, I don't know if you record. Are you recording? Yeah. Okay. I'll talk. I'll, you want to talk about kosher herring? That's no, no. I, I was going to talk. To, tell you about sachi. Is oh, we'll, uh, talk about it. we'll talk about it later. Let's finish this up. So if somebody says that um, Hashem's mercy is on a, a nest of birds, um, and the reason why there's a mitzvah in the Torah to do shluch haken is simply because Hashem has mercy on birds, that is not correct. It's xerus because of it's a, it's a, uh, um, a, a, a law. The Torah mandated this, um, have nothing to do with mercy, Hashem mandated this. Val tov If a person says, we thank Hashem for good, not for bad, but for good, okay? Or a person says, modim um, modim. Well, you find a lot of people, theologians, so-called theologians, say that, that, that uh, it's only God if it's something which is good. But if it's bad, it's something else. You know, that's, 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 that is wrong. If somebody says modim modim, that means it's as if he's saying that there are two gods, mishtakinoso. These three, we quiet them up, we don't pay attention to it. Okay? Hashem said so. We bless Hashem for good, and also we bless Hashem for bad, and we also do not say modim modim. Hamachane be'arayas. Okay? Um, if a person says that arayas, meaning the uh, incestual sexual relationships that we're forbidden to have. The Torah doesn't really mean it seriously. It just means as a euphemism, mishtakimos, we quiet them up. The Torah means it seriously. Haomer, if somebody says, mizarucha lo sitein 
There used to be this kind of um, discussion in the Gemara whether it's an idolatry or merely a ceremony, but there used to be this practice in which a person would take his child, his own child, and either give it to the priests or do it himself. It's a machlokas discussion among uh, Rashi and the Rambam discussion, and he would pass it through this fire that was known as molech. Again, a discussion in the commentaries whether the baby had to be killed, or Ramban says the baby definitely was killed. According to the Rambam and Rashi, you didn't have to kill the baby, but the baby was certainly injured by it, and if the baby died, it died. Uh, but regardless, it's a terribly cruel thing to take an infant and pass it through fire. So the Torah says you're not allowed to do that, and it's an achremos. It says, don't give over your child to pass it through the molech. Um, but really what it means is, you're trying to say, a person says this, although it's not really true, um, meaning it really means to say that you're not allowed to have relations with a non-Jewish woman and produce a child who is a guy. That is not true. Meaning to say that there's no real prohibition against passing your child through the molech. It really means something else entirely, but uh, we we do not accept such an interpretation. And uh, hold on one second. Okay. Um, so Mishtakinos and Nazifa, we're up with anger. Okay. Let's see the last mission. We can finish off the Mazafta. Maisa Ruven, the story of Ruven. What was the story of Ruven? Ruven, it says in the Torah that Ruven um, slept with the, with Bila, the Pelegish of, of Yaakov. It's not what happened at all. It happened, um, what happened was that Ruven was upset that Yaakov had made his, his after, his, after um, Rachel passed away, Yaakov, Yaakov had four wives, and each one had their own tent. And Yaakov's main tent was in the, the, um, the tent of Rachel. When Rachel died, Yaakov did not make his main tent with, Reuven, with Leah, who was Reuven's mother. He made his main tent with, with Bilha. And Reuven expressed his displeasure. And the Torah thought this was such a great Avera, Shem considered such a great Avera, says if he slept with, with Bilha. So we say, Maisa Reuben, when we get to the story of Reuben, Nikra, we read it in the Torah, Velomitargin. We don't translate it because people can come to make a mistake and think that it, it happened the way it really happened. It's not, that's not the way it happened. It wasn't true. But Hashem considered the Avera as great as if. So for the honor of Reuben, we don't translate it. And for correctness, Maisa Tamar. The story of Tamar, that Yehuda had relations with Tamar, who presented herself as a prostitute, and Yehuda had relations with her, and um, the Torah says, he was forced into it by Hashem, because through their union, Mashiach occurred, while the Malchus Beis David occurred. Um, the uh, progeny of King David occurred. So, Nikra Umatargin is written, and translated. Maisa Egel Harishon Nikra Umatargen. Maisa Egel Harishon means the first part of the Egel. Um, 
we read it and we translate it. Hasheni, the part which, which concerns our own, Mikrobalomatargen. We read it, but we don't um, we don't translate it because of the honor of Aaron. Aaron did not do the Egel. Aaron um, tried to do a mechanism to push off the doing of the Egel, the golden calf, in order to get um, in order to get people to delay while Moshe comes down from Sinai. Birchas Kohenim, the bracha of Kohenim, or Maisa David the Amnon. The story of David and Amnon, we neither read it, okay? Um, well, the Birch of the Kohenim, we read, but we don't translate, okay? So it should be, Nikola um, uh, Hagen also, Birch of Kohenim, we read and we don't translate. Um, the reason why we don't translate is because it says, Yisa Hashem Hashem should um, grant you favor. What does that mean to grant you favor? It just means Hashem should look at us um, favorably, but it could have the connotation if you translate it to people who are not well versed as if people are, that Hashem could be bribed. Now, Maisa, Dovin, and Amnon, we don't read this in Torah. The story of Dovin and Amnon was a story about um, Amnon was the son of David and um, and uh, and he raped his um, sort of adopted sister Tamar, and uh, because of that he was killed himself by Shalom. Because of that there was a rebellion. It wasn't a good thing. We don't read this at all in Haftarah. Now, Einmaftirin b'Merkava. Merkava is the parts of the Navi that are in in Yeshaya uh, or in Yecheska that talk about the structure of on high, of the throne on high. We don't talk about that because we don't want people to be uh, too involved in it because it's way too, uh, it's out of the league of almost everyone. Um, Rabbi Huda Matabuda says, okay. Rabbi Leza Omer, Ein maftirin behoda es Yerushalayim. Hoda es Yerushalayim refers to a part which is, which is, um, which is not favorable to Yerushalayim it's part of Yecheskel, okay? Holy um, Shalom is really, it's, 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 um, it's something in Yecheskel. Um, and it talks about something which is not favorable to Kalal Yisrael, to Yerushalayim. It's really Yerushalayim, to, to Kalal Yisrael. We don't do that because it's not favorable to Kalal Yisrael. We don't, we don't do the Haftarah with that. That's Herbalez's opinion. So we don't do the Haftarah from these parts of the Navi. We do things which are more positive and things that cannot be open to misinterpretation. Guess what? Mishlam Masechtis Megillah. We finished Masechtis Megillah. Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov. everyone. That is terrific. Next week, Amir Hashem, I'm not going to be here, but when I come back, Amir Hashem, we want to start Masechtis Tainus. Okay? We'll do Masechtis Tainus. All right. Interesting Masechta. Okay. All right. I think, Rabbi. Um, so, uh, I let think, me just stop recording and we'll pause here. Sachi, 